Alrighty. Are you ready for the word this morning? Lord, add the blessing to the preaching of your word today. We thank you for this. Open our ears, open our hearts, that we won't fail to praise you for this. In Jesus' name, and everyone shout amen. This morning, I was thinking and praying about what does the Holy Spirit want to say to us as a community of believers or as a church? And um, I believe that if, if you are aware of anything that's going on in Christianity, especially our world, you will soon discover that Christianity is in, a, is in crisis. And what I mean by that, it is in crisis because our theology has become flawed. Now listen, listen to my heart this morning. Christianity is in somewhat crisis in some parts of the world because our theology has become flawed. It's almost like it's a fatal flaw. And we've got to be very careful about it. We have almost prostituted the biblical concept of faith and made it into something that it's not. A lot of our preaching today is how are we to get things from God instead of how to give more of ourselves to God. Now, can I just stop there and say this again? Can I say that we have prostituted the biblical concept of faith and made it into something that I don't think the Scripture teaches. And what we've almost done is we have preached so much on how to get something from God that we forget that really the Scripture teaches that we should give more of ourselves to God. Do you see that? You see, it's almost as if we have turned into an individualistic society where we have become so selfish in our theology that we come to church and we say to ourselves, how can I get a breakthrough? How can things turn around for me? What must I do to get blessed? How can this be mine? You see what I'm talking about? It's almost as if our theology and our preaching is all about how can I do certain things so I can get something from God. And I believe that the greater challenge is not necessarily getting something from God because God certainly does bless His people. There's nothing wrong with walking in the blessing of God. But I hope you understand where I'm going with this. There's nothing wrong with the blessing of God or walking in the blessing of God. But the greater challenge is to give ourselves more to God. Not to get more from God. But to give ourselves more fully to God. It's almost as if church and God has become a spiritual Santa Claus or a spiritual slot machine. Our praise becomes the lever by which we pull so we can get blessed. Are you all out there? Is this all right? If you think it's all right, shake your head. I mean, God is not out to, get, to make you happy. God is out to make you holy. God is not out to make everything a delight for you. 
He's out to develop you. You don't grow in the happy places of your life. You grow in the struggle. And let me ask you a question. And this is a, this is a deep question. I want you to think about it. Can you mature in the faith without God blessing you? Can you grow without God making promises to you that He's going to bless you? Can you grow and develop in your faith without God making a promise to you that you're going to get blessed? Now, if you're all out there, because I don't know if you're swimming through it or, or what, if you're with me, shake your head. You see this? Can God bless you? Can, can you be mature enough and understand that sometimes it's not about what you get from God, it's about how fully you can give yourself to God. Can I hear an amen? You see, there's a difference between the process and the promise. The promise of God has been given to you, but sometimes our maturity level is not strong enough to handle where God wants to take you. So what God does is God puts you through a process. Can I hear an amen? You see, you don't put your faith in the process. You put your faith in the promise. Can I hear an amen? God holds the promise in His hand. You hold your process in your hand. The devil can't do anything about the promise. The only thing he can is get in the process. Now I'm going to say that again. Did you hear me? The devil, who is the enemy of our soul, cannot do anything about the promises of God. The only thing he can do is to get in the process, and the process leads to the promise. And if we're not careful, we forfeit what God wants to do in and through our life because we get so hung up in the process that we forget that God holds the promise in his hand. Can I hear an amen? So the promise and the process. You see, our praise doesn't become the lever by which we manipulate God to get what we want. You see, that's a danger. If your praise can produce a blessing, then God is impotent against your praise. It's not about us trying to get more from God as it is as God trying to get more from us. You see, if our attitude is, what can God do for me? And what can God do for my life? And God is concerned about your life, and He wants to, he wants to work things out in your life, but first and foremost, He wants you to give yourself to Him fully so that He can work through you fully. You see, let me just make sure we understand something. God is not this egotistical, narcissist God who sits on the throne and he's so desperate for you to praise him and he's so insecure that he needs you to praise him every week. So you better go to church and praise God because God is so egotistical and God is a narcissist. And so if you don't stroke God with your praise, somehow God is going to feel insecure if you don't praise him. 
Is that the type of God that we have developed? And somehow, if we stroke God with our praise, then out of gratitude for us stroking God, God gives us a blessing. It's very quiet in this church this morning. Is is that the type of God that we serve? That he's so egotistical and so insecure and so desperate for people's praises that you've got to stroke him with your praise so you can get a blessing? God is not sitting up there waiting for you to come to church on Sunday so you can stroke his ego with your praise. That's not how God works. As a matter of fact, I don't want to serve a God who is insecure. I don't want to serve a God who is so egotistical that you've got to stroke him with your praise every week. You mean to tell me God is not secure enough in knowing who he is that you've got to stroke him with your praise every week? But that is what we have developed in Christianity. We have developed this ego God that we have to praise so we can get our blessing. Thank you, Pastor Larry. We, 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 we. You know, if, I, if I'm going to get my blessing, I'm going to come to church to praise God. I'm going to get my praise on so I can get my blessing. You know what I'm saying. God's, God has an ego problem, so we've got to stroke him with our praise. And out of gratitude, God gives us a blessing. A spiritual slot machine. Every Sunday, my praise is the lever. So every time I praise the Lord, blessing comes to me. That's, that's the Christianity we, we, we kind of construct. So let's see if we can pull the lever with our praise and get our blessing. And it's ironic to me that after 15 years of pastoring, it's ironic to me that as I read the scriptures and study the word of God, that what God is more concerned about is getting him into you. What God is more concerned about is, does he have all of you? What God is really concerned about, you know, John Calvin, which is a great church reformer, he said, said, I've come to the conclusion that man, by its very nature, is an idol producing factory. Boy, that's pretty strong there, John Calvin. He said, I've come to the conclusion that man, by his very nature, is an idol-producing factory. That means you would never worship a statue, but you would worship your money. You would worship relationships, you you would worship your ideas, you would worship your attitude, you would worship greed and selfishness without us even knowing we worship it. That's why it takes the Holy Spirit to open our eyes up and show us the things in our life that needs to be corrected and changed. And as you walk with the Holy Spirit, and as you commune with the Holy Spirit, and as you walk in that process, it's called sanctification, and the Holy Spirit begins to open up things to you that you never saw before. So, is this the type of God that we serve? 
because somehow he's so insecure, he has to have your praise. See, I don't think that that's the God of the Scriptures. The God of the Scriptures is one that is holy and just and pure and righteous. He is full of mercy. He is full of compassion. He made us in our image so that we would walk with Him in the cool of the day. That is what God started at the beginning and that is what God still desires today. He desires for men and women to walk with Him And your blessing, listen, is not found in things. It's actually found in Him. You are blessed because you fellowship with Him. You are, you are blessed because you are walking with Him. And when you put Him first place, then all the other things that you need will be taken care of. You know, you know, why I am so stirred this morning? Because I, 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 I was praying this week, which pastors should pray, shouldn't, shouldn't they? <laughs> shouldn't pastors pray? So as I was praying this week, I, uh, I, uh, and, and the Lord just did some heart surgery on me and and I, I, see, I wanted to get my heart. I was praying about things that I didn't even see. That was, and I want to tell you something, that prayer room is a war room. If you haven't been there, I tell you, you can take care of a lot of life's issues in that room back there. And so I was praying, and the Lord was speaking to my heart. I didn't hear it audibly, but as I was sitting there with the Word of God, and as I was praying in the Spirit, you know, I was frustrated about, not about you all, but just, just other stuff about life and couldn't figure things out. And I was praying. And the Lord said to me, he said, I felt the spirit prick my heart. He says, listen, you're trying so hard to make stuff happen. He says, but I have told you that I am your rest and you are laboring too much. So if you will rest in me, I'll do the labor for you. How, how is it if we give ourselves to Him and if we give all of ourselves to Him, then He works it out. It's, it's ironic, and I'm going to close with this. It's ironic that if you read the story of Abraham, God gives Abraham a word, right? Abraham's going to be the father of many nations. Abraham, his descendants is going to inherit the earth, you know, God speaks this word to Abraham, get up and leave your country. Go to the city that I tell you to go to. You know, so God gives Abraham this great promise in Genesis chapter 12. Now get this. Genesis chapter 12. Now don't lose me. Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, I'm going to make you great. Okay? That was a promise. Somebody say promise. So God gave Abraham a promise. And it's ironic that this is what happened. Number one, 
as a result of him getting a declaration of destiny, God puts him through a process. So he has a promise in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis 12 is the promise. After the declaration of destiny, God puts him in a process. And this is the process. I've never seen it before, but this is process. Number one, Abraham had to fight a test. And the first test is a family test. Family test. The Bible says in Genesis 12, verse 2, he says, Abraham, get up and leave all your kinfolk. Leave them all and go to the country that I've told you to go to. So that's what Abraham does. Number one, he, he experiences a test. Now get it. God gives him a word. God gives him a promise in Genesis 12. Then right after that, Abraham experiences multiple tribulations and tests. The first test he experiences is a family test. God says, I want you to get up and I want you to go to the country that I'm telling you to go. Leave your family and go to the country. So number one, the family test. Number two, it's the famine test. Famine test. Because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, famine. Genesis chapter 12, right when he starts to obey the word of the Lord, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 10, Genesis chapter 12 and verse number 10, Genesis 12, verse 10, now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, and the famine was severe in the land. So get it. God gives Abraham a word. You're going to be a great man over a great nation. Your descendants is going to be great. Then after the declaration of destiny, he experiences test. The first test is a family test. The second test is a famine test. And it's ironic that he was in a famine, but he really disobeyed the Lord. He wasn't supposed to go back to Egypt. The word of the Lord in verse 2 was to go to Canaan. So Abram was really rebellious and did his own thing. So he didn't pass the test. So you have, you have a family test, you have a famine test, and the third test it goes through is what I call a fellowship test. You know what the fellowship test was? It was with his nephew, Lot. There was an argument between him and Lot, his nephew, and Abram said, listen, listen, we are brethren here, we are kinfolk, so why don't you take some of the land here, and I'll take some of the land here. So... There was a test there involving his fellowship with his kinfolk, Lot. So not only does he experience a, a family test, a famine test, he actually failed the fam, famine test, the fellowship test, and then Genesis chapter 14, Abram gets involved in a battle with kings. Genesis chapter 14. So he had a fight test. So, you see he has a family test, get up and leave your country. He has a famine test. He has a fellowship test. He has a fight test. And now, the Bible says, he has a fortune test. Because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 14, verse 22, that he tithed to the king uh, and the priest of Salem, but he would not take the wealth of Sodom. So there was a fortune available to Abraham, but he would not engage or involve himself with the fortune of Sodom. So there was a fortune test. His heart was tested 
about resources and money. So not only do you have a family test, a famine test, a fellowship test, a fight test, a fortune test, but now you have a fatherhood test. Because now God says you're going to be, you're going to have a son and through the lineage of your son is going to come a great nation. And so Abraham got in a hurry and slept with Hagar and produced Ishmael. And so there was a fatherhood test and he failed that test. And lastly, there was a farewell test. You know what he did? He went to Hagar and said, listen, I jacked this up, so you and your baby is going to have to leave. He sends them away. So, now, get, get this process. Get this process. Genesis 12 is the promise. Somebody shout the promise. And what is that promise? Abraham's descendants is going to inherit the earth. They're going to, God, God's going to honor them. They're going to be his people. But after, listen to this, after the declaration of destiny that God said to Abraham, Abraham had to go through a series of testing. The first test is a family test. The second test was a famine test. The third test is a fellowship test. The fourth is the fight, the fortune, the fatherhood, and the farewell test. Genesis 12, he gets a declaration of destiny. You're going to be great, but then... Every chapter, Abraham is in a test. And two of the tests, he failed. Now, what's my point? Well, you see the promise. You see the process. Abraham wasn't strong enough or mature enough to handle the promise in Genesis chapter 12. He had to go through the process because the process was the thing that developed Abraham so that he could be the man that God has called him to be. And sometimes in our life, and sometimes in our Christian life, you can't come to church and push a lever here and get your blessing. Sometimes God is saying, I've given you a promise, and you can shout about the promise, but sometimes you've got to go through the process so that you can handle the promise I gave you. You see what I'm saying? And we, we, we don't want to look at the process. We want instant blessing. And God says, sometimes I put you in the process because the process matures you enough so you can handle the promise. Does God want to bless you? Yes, we're already blessed. But some of the things that God wants to give you only happens through a process. Now, this is what's liberating, Sister Regina. I thought about it. This is, this is so liberating to me. And out of everything that I just discussed, David, this part right here is what liberated my soul. It liberated me. So, Abraham's going to be great, and then he goes through hell. Can I hear an amen? How, how many's got a word on Sunday and then Monday was hell, Tuesday was hell, when, Come on, somebody. Can I hear an amen? So sometimes you've got to go through the process. Now get this. This is what liberated me. Abraham failed how many of those tests? Two. So that tells me
that God kept allowing Abraham to make progress even though he didn't pass all the tests. Right there is good shouting, clapping territory. I'm going to say, can I say one more time? God kept allowing Abraham to make progress even though he failed some of the test. I'm going to say that again. God kept allowing Abraham to move forward even though Abraham messed up. God kept allowing Abraham to move forward even though Abraham didn't pass all the tests. And I'm going to say it one more time so you can get it right down deep in your spirit. Ready? God kept allowing Abraham to move forward even though Abraham wasn't passing all the tests. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying in the economy of the kingdom of God, promotion is not based on perfection. Promotion is based on progress. I'm going to say that again. Are you ready for it? In the economy of the kingdom, promotion is not based on perfection. Promotion is based on progress. I'm going to say it again. In the economy of the kingdom, promotion is not based on perfection. Promotion is based on progress. Abraham had a word from God. And Abraham had one test after another test. And even though he failed those tests, Abraham didn't give up. Abraham didn't throw in the towel. Abraham said it's not worth it. Abraham got himself back up and he kept going at it. He kept going at the test. Ladies and gentlemen, make progress. You don't have to wait till you're perfect. You'll never be perfect. In the economy of the kingdom of God, promotion is not based on perfection. Promotion is based on progress. See? I never saw it before. But Genesis Bible says that God gave a word to him. The Bible says his last test was the test of worship. Because God says, take your son, your only son, and what, what does he want you to do? What does he want you to do? Genesis chapter 22. I'm almost done, I promise you. Genesis chapter 22. He says the last test that you're going to have to take in this progress is the test of worship. And the Bible says in Genesis 22, verse 1, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, I want you to take your only son whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer, them, offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will tell you. And I never saw this before. But the Lord says, Abraham, I want you to go to one of the mountains not mountain. In other words, I'm not going to show you which mountain it is until you obey the first word that I gave you, and that is to go. 
Sometimes in the process, God doesn't disclose all the information. Sometimes you don't have all the information, and sometimes you don't have all the steps. Sometimes you don't even know what mountain it is. All the word of the Lord is, get up and go to the region of the mountains. You see that? Get up, Abraham. I'm not going to tell you everything because you're still in the process. And when you're in the process, you've got to believe the promise even though he doesn't give you all the details. So Abraham says he, he's going to go to one of those mountains which I'm going to tell you. I'm not going to, you get up and go, and as you go, I'm going to tell you the mountain. Isn't it interesting that we, it's easy to trust God if God tells you everything at the beginning. He says, get up. And this is what stuck, this is, you know what, I could go, I could go all day on this. I've just been so, I've been marinating in it. And this is, this is interesting. He, he, he's going to worship. The Bible says, verse 3, Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of the young men with him, took Isaac, split the wood, burnt offering arose, went to the place which God told him, which God told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, saw the place. Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I will go yonder, and I'm going to go worship, and we will come back to you. This is the test of worship. Then verse 6, so Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac, his son, took the fire, took the knife, and they went together. Now hold on here. This is the test of worship. Get this. God, Abraham said to the two young men, he took the knife and he took the wood for the offering, right? And he tells the young men, I'm going to the mountain to worship. And he takes the knife and he takes the wood and he goes to the mountain. Why is he taking a knife and wood? Because he's going to sacrifice his only son. That's what God said to do. And it's interesting that the knife and the wood is something that kills. And sometimes in our test of worship, we've got to carry stuff that could kill us. Sometimes we've got to carry stuff that hurts us. Sometimes we got to carry stuff that we don't like. Abraham and his son carried the knife and they carried the burnt offering. They carried the wood to the mountain because they're going to worship. And sometimes you come to worship and you're carrying stuff that hurts you. You carry stuff that's a battle. You carry stuff that, 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 that would bring other people down. But the test of worship is this. Can you worship me even though you are carrying stuff that hurts you. My God. Is there anybody who can just help me out here? The test of worship is that can you worship me carrying stuff that hurts you? Do you have the ability to worship me when you're carrying the knife?
you have the ability to carry the wood and the knife, even though you know those things hurt. Abraham passed that test. Some of you are in that test. Life hurts. The knife hurts. The wood hurts. But he went to worship anyway. Abraham, you're going to be a great nation. Your people is going to be great. But then one chapter out of another chapter, Abraham experienced test and tribulation. Because the point of the story is, sometimes it's not about getting your praise on. Sometimes it's getting the word from God and going through the process. And it's interesting that when Abraham was done sacrificing his son, he didn't get more from God. God had his heart. And it's interesting that after this, Abraham was blessed more than he could ever imagine. Because God says, I'm going to give it to you, but before I give it to you, I've got to make sure I have you first. Because if I don't have you first, that stuff will have you. You know what I'm saying? That stuff will have you, so I've got to make sure I have you first. I've got to see if I can trust you. 